Hey, Unchained listeners. As you know, it's hard keeping up with the fast-paced world of crypto, so we've got just the thing for you. Subscribe to our free Unchained daily newsletter at unchainedcrypto.substack.com. You'll get the latest crypto news and original articles from our reporters, as well as summaries of other happenings and bullet points, plus our meme of the day, all curated and written by our amazing team. It's still your no-hype resource for all things crypto, just in newsletter form. Sign up at unchainedcrypto.substack.com. Again, the URL is unchainedcrypto.substack.com. Not a dividend. It's a tale of two pawns. Now, your losses are on someone else's balance sheet. Generally speaking, airdrops are kind of pointless anyways. Um, um, unnamed trading them. firms who are very involved. Um, Alec.eth is the ultimate pawn. DeFi protocols are the antidote to this problem. Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Chopping Block. Uh, every couple of weeks, the usually four of us get together and give the crypto, give the industry insider's perspective on the crypto topics of the day. So, uh, quick intros. First up, we've got Robert, crypto connoisseur and captain of Compound. Next up, we've got Tarun, the gigabrain and grand poobah at Gauntlet. Uh, then we've got Emin Gunsir, the emperor of Avalanche. And uh, lastly, myself, I'm Hasib, I'm the head hype man at Dragonfly. So, uh, we are early stage investors in crypto, but I want to caveat that nothing we say here is investment advice, legal advice, or even life advice. Goon, it's great to see you. Great uh, to be here. I, I, I know that you have had a harrowing few weeks with this <laughs> whole drama. We talked about it on the last episode, uh, just to get everybody caught up and, and really quickly jump into the meat of things. So uh, there's this guy named Carl, Kyle Roche, uh, who is a class action lawyer who was caught in some kind of uh, uh, sting video recording operation, basically saying that he is the attack dog of Avalanche and he's suing a bunch of Avalanche competitors. Um, Ava Labs came out and basically said that actually Kyle Roche was one of like a bunch of lawyers we used, um, Kyle has since been largely publicly disgraced. Both Kyle and Avalabs have both uh, uh, basically denied that they have a continuing ongoing relationship. And uh, Kyle Roche, apparently, uh, since our last episode, it's been announced that Kyle Roche withdrew from the open class action cases and was let go from his own law firm, uh, Roche Friedman. So uh, if I'm understanding correctly, uh, the Tether lawsuit, the Bitfinex lawsuit, Tron and Binance class action lawsuits all uh, Kyle Roche has, is no longer uh, active on those, on those lawsuits. So I know that this has probably been an insane few weeks for you. Um, what's your, <laughs> give, us the, give, us the, give us the industry insider's perspective. Sure. Um, when I heard what, what, uh, what was on that site, I was taken aback. I was, I was incredulous. And, uh, and my first reaction was, this is crazy. Um, and it's, it's so out there that it's unbelievable that I don't think anyone's going to take any of this seriously. So um, I still hold that position. It's just way out there. And uh, Kyle Roche is a lawyer of the many lawyers that we employed. Um, it's one of the lawyers that we employed in the early days of, um, uh, of Ava Labs. Uh, we've since, of course, cut all ties with him. Um, and uh, Kyle was uh, evidently trying to impress someone. And uh, to do that, he uh, decided to... Uh, to make up this whole Walter Mitty world for himself where he's doing things and, and in the middle of everything and suing this and that. Um, the one time we told Kyle what to do was the time after he sued Solana. And uh, we learned about it from the press and we were immediately on the phone with him saying, what the heck are you doing? You can't be doing this. Uh, and, uh, and he refused any, any advice. So we told him not to sue Solana. And uh, my general counsel then wrote a long piece saying that the core argument behind that class action lawsuit is entirely false and doesn't, doesn't have legs. So that's the fact pattern. 
Uh, we don't sue our competitors. We have nothing to do with those lawsuits. So that's, uh, that's the short of it. Uh, the long of it, of course, is, you know, Kyle has sued a lot of projects, has made a lot of enemies, and he got uh, trapped into saying things that are utterly false. Um, I will add one, one additional fact to the fact pattern. He admitted that he lied, and it's also been entered into court proceedings. So when he's withdrawing, he has actually written out that, that there were complete fabrications and falsifications made. So um, I think it's over. You know, I'm over it. And, uh, uh, you know, there's no material to those. But there was a joke before that when Tarun was late, that uh, he'd better be here on time or else I'll have him, I'll have him soon. <laughs> what is it about people named Kyle in crypto? Uh, that's a good question. That's a good question. Wait, are you saying there are other Kyles who are problem children? No, I'm just saying there's lots of Kyles oh, in crypto who are loud, oh, I see, I see. who are, like, okay. show up in the news. You know? Okay, I thought you, were, I thought you were, might have been calling out a certain Kyle. So amongst all of the false statements that Kyle made, were there any truthful statements in the video recordings that you saw? Sure. Um, so I, I'm, I'm supposed to extract from what I saw. So let me be clear. I didn't have the heart to watch all of it because it's just it just triggered me way too much. Uh, but he was employed in the early days. Uh, but just about every statement I heard was, you know, a, a small nugget of truth, you know, maxed out to its extreme, like from the percentage of coins that he supposedly holds to the impact he had, to how he did whatever he did. Um, it's just all like, uh, all just extreme far out there. Uh, so yeah, he, he was our lawyer in the early days. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's about the extent of it. Uh, oh, oh he, did, he did represent us in a handful of cases, let me be clear. He represented us in a bunch of lawsuits, you know, routine commercial things, you know, um, contractor, we terminate a relationship, contractor wants more, this and that, they sue us, whatever. So those kinds of things. Um, as far as I can remember off the top of my head, about he was involved in about six different cases, and they were all defensive. And then there was one lawsuit where uh, he represented me um, against somebody who, who, uh, who made statements about my involvement in some organization uh, that I have nothing to do with. So that was the extent of our involvement. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this on the last episode, and Jill was mentioning if you're in crypto long enough, you just you come across people who are just like, I was I was in the room when blah 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 happened, and I was like, I'm Satoshi Nakamoto. I mean, Ethereum has what? How many co-founders? Oh, yeah, exactly. Every day, every day it's right, inflating. Right. It's like yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. Exactly. A few dozen co-founders. Right? <laughs> exactly. They all play the critical but role. But the thing is, if I try to count the number of people who told me they're an Ethereum co-founder, it's much more than a few dozen. <laughs> that's like exactly. the easily, part three, yeah, 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 easily three digits. Yeah, in, yeah, in many yeah. ways, that's the problem with decentralization is that we don't have very formal structures around these yeah. things, so people are just free to kind to say whatever and um, it's it's often it's common enough in startup i mean i can't tell you how many people i've met who tell me that they're elon's closest friend and <laughs> it's just like okay well you can't all be right because he seems very busy so well, I, he has to get the memes from somewhere so you might not be his friend you might just be the true. meme supplier oh that, that is true that is true that's a different kind of friendship than the normal kind but um so is, is do you feel like this is mostly blown over i think so i mean what's what's there to blow over it's just a bunch of made-up stuff there is not much I can do. I can control the things I build. I can control the things I, uh, you know, I do. Uh, but I can't control what other people outside of my organization will say to the rest of the world. And so, and then, you know, the only thing you can do when they say crazy things is you say, no, that's not the truth. This is what we did. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping every time I underestimate the world, it, it surprises me in a pleasant way. That I think people are decent. They understand what can happen. And, uh, and the truth finds a way of coming out. So I think this is over now. 
And uh, it's over in my mind. I think we've, we've had a very strong reaction. We clarified the record repeatedly. So, uh, uh, of course, there will be attempts to bring this back again and again and again. That's okay. We'll deal with that. That's just a minor hassle for us. So tell us about the ICP angle, because I know that this is uh, interest, another interesting Insane angle. Insane clown posse? Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. Insane that's clown right. posse. Uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> not the uh, insane. So I don't really have much to say on that front. Uh, Kyle sued ICP, and I didn't actually know that Kyle had sued ICP until this event. So, um, uh, so that's all I know. And, uh, and so that's, that's that connection. And uh, Dom uh, also has some kind of beef with us because he thinks he owns the word subnet, and we use the word subnet. And that's fine, whatever. Like, he can get upset at us. We didn't know he was, he was using the word. I think the word is, uh, is pretty clear the way we use it. We have a different definition for it. He's free to use it as well. That's totally fine. So that's the angle I know. And uh, there's also a, a BSV angle. Right? So Kyle had sued... Um, was involved in the lawsuit between Kleiman and, and Craig Ray. And so, um, you know, again, it's, it's my loose understanding, may or may not be factual, that uh, whoever did the recordings was, uh, was involved in BSV. But I don't know. So oh, really? this, is, this is all out, way outside of How me. did he get involved in all these cases? I'm like, either he's a genius lawyer or something. Like, there's got to be some. There's got to be something. He's like somehow I, in like every like hands of lawyer can just file a class action lawsuit against anyone they want. And that's one of the problems with the legal system that we have in America. It's one of the things that is actually nice about the U.S., that the government doesn't have to prosecute you. If there's something bad happening that affects enough number of people that you can take the matter into your own hands. So I like that thing. Then it becomes very litigious. And that, of course, is not good. Uh, in any case, this is all beyond me. I have nothing to do with this stuff. You know, we build systems. Kyle does lawyer stuff. And we needed defensive work. We hired him. And uh, haven't used them in an offensive capacity. Well, anyway, I think I think we've said enough about this. Yeah. I, I, at this point, I feel like it's kind of blood from a stone with respect to the story. It's just been a slow few weeks that, <laughs> that we have to. I don't know if it's been slow. Has it been slow? I feel like it's been Does pretty it slow. Feel like it's been... It feels what? like it's been a very slow few weeks. I don't think that's true. Well, well, well what, what is the exciting thing that's happened in the last few weeks? Well, I feel like I feel like people are, are speculating on. The one big event of the week. That is true. The that merge. The yeah. merge. Oh, the, the merge. So I mean, that that is the one big thing. That's so the a merge. Big event. Today uh, we're recording this on September twelfth. Uh, the merge is slated most likely to go live on September fifteenth. So for those of you who somehow don't know what the hell's going on, the merge is when Ethereum uh, transitions to full proof of stake and abandons proof of work, except for the one ETH PAL fork, which I guess is still supposedly going to go on. I think um, it's going to happen. Uh, it's actually, going to happen, but I think they're going to... Will it succeed? I feel like it's going to happen, but they're going to mess it up completely. Cool. So, uh, yeah. So, okay. So, just real, real quick high-level stats on the merge. So, net issuance is expected to be between 0 and 0.5% annually after the merge. Just for reference, Bitcoin today is about 1.8% annual inflation. Ethereum pre-merge, not including fee burn, was about 4.5%. Fee burn, obviously, has been super volatile. But um, it's you know somewhere in the four percent range is going to go down to about 0.5 percent. So you're going to lose 90 percent of the ETH issuance after the merge, and of course energy usage is going to cut down by like 99.95 percent. So it's going to be it's going to be basically totally green and very ESG after the merge. Anybody following the ETH PAL stuff? Does anyone know what's going on there? I loosely follow the ETH PAL stuff. Here's my take on the situation. Is yeah. Obviously, there's a huge amount of proof of work mining hardware designed for Ethereum that has to go somewhere. In general, Ethereum Classic is not a great 
use of that mining equipment. And a lot of the miners think that the easiest thing to do is to keep on mining Ethereum with the existing state and just fork it and direct all of their hardware towards continuing proof of work for a fork of Ethereum. I think the bigger issue is that there's a lot of hardware that has to go somewhere and is depreciating quickly and miners are at some point either going to have to, you know, realize that the hardware is no longer as useful or, you know, will a blockchain into existence that has value. And I think they're trying to will a blockchain into existence that has value. Now, the approach that they're taking is to fork the entire state of Ethereum, not fork just the Ether balances, but to fork every single smart contract. And I think it's going to be a total cluster. I'm in their Discord, and it already is. They're, they have like a <laughs> private Discord, and I will say it is. Oh, you're in a private Discord? Yeah, they're like, DM to get into our private Discord if you want to help QA or RPC. Okay, I was like, sure, oh, I'll QA oh, or RPC. Oh, yeah. oh, I see, okay, interesting. <laughs> and, uh, is Gauntlet going to support the ETH no, no, platform? No, 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 this is me as this an is anon. You personally. I just wanted to see what okay, I'm okay, dealing okay, with. Okay. I, you know, I don't think All anyone right, knows. leak the anon alpha. The, the alpha is basically, they haven't been able to sync a node fully with all their changes. Uh, it's like not bitwise identical up to like some point. So there's just some points at which they are observing some contract state that's different than East Mainnet. And they haven't been able to fix it, and obviously they don't have much time, and all the miners have to sync. So one thing is, if they can't get their, their client to be bitwise identical, you can't just take an existing archive node and use its data up to the fork block. Wait, what else are they changing that it wouldn't be bitwise identical? Well... Yeah, there's a lot. There's like pre-compiles and stuff that have been added that they're trying to remove. They also changed all the miner fees. So like the base fee is going to miner DAO. It's not going oh, to be burnt anymore. Any they, they're taking all the Ethereum Foundation's ETH and sending it to themselves. What? Yeah, there's like all <laughs> sorts of shit. I did not know this. But they fucked up all of that. So the contracts they're trying to give miners access to some like private RPC node they're running that they're debugging on, but, like, not giving out the full thing because I still can't get the identical. This is a terrible way to fork the blockchain. This is ridiculous. Why? I mean, it's not a terrible way to fork it. It's not the best idea. It's not what I would have done. <laughs> I mean, Wait, get, let's, get, let's hear the good yeah, defense. Let's, let's hear, hear the good defense. How would Goon fork Ethereum? I wouldn't fork Ethereum. First of but all, if you were, if, if you did, if you did, if I did, let's say you wake OJ up tomorrow said, yeah, morning, exactly, exactly, you wake up tomorrow like morning, and you are you are the head of ETH Power. No, no, if, if that kind of a fork is a hostile fork. I would never do it. But uh, if I were them, I'd start an L two powered by Pow, and then that'd be it. I'd just be like, hey, this is an L two done, and uh, that would be the sensible thing to do. But um, the, have you guys looked at the fee calculation in Geth? It's just layers upon layers of very complex code. Like, I'm not the least bit surprised to hear that they screwed up that stuff. The base fee burning thing, like, removing that mm-hmm. actually, like, just changed some... Changes so changed many tons things. Of other yeah, other it's shit. just so like the, subtle. The mempool... Uh, one of the bugs I saw in the Discord was the mempool priority queue. Do you remember, like, in, in, like, the early days of DeFi, there were lots of these bugs that people found where, like, the geth didn't order equal keys in the priority queue for gas. Like, oh, as I remember same. this. Yeah, people would, like, grind. People would, like, grind yeah. so, 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 like, basically they have bugs like that coming from their base fee change. Oh, wow. So, like, they can't replay correctly, which is, like, gonna, like how are, how are you going to mine on that? This was just me going in for a, a little dumpster dive, and I, <laughs> I was like, all right, great. That's fat. Wait, how, much, gonna... how much of the communication there is in English? Um, there's a lot of U.S. miners who are asking oh. questions. okay. Like, 
like they're all, all the random U.S. miners who are who are running GPUs are like sitting there, and they're they don't have any Chinese people working. There. They're all in Texas. I see, but the develop the development is all happening in China, right? But the U.S. miners are like running the nodes and trying to like test that they're oh, existing. See. They have code bases too for managing the DevOps of like, oh, when do they right. spin up and spin down things? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. How much should they allocate? And like all of that's not working because they can't actually sync the thing. I see. <laughs> Wow, that's why I only know the problems from the perspective of these people trying to run the nodes. I don't. I'm sure there's even more shit in the development. This is just from that. that they got three days. They got, no, I don't know how you're going to sink in time. Like I, I actually think they're just going to do kind of what you're saying. Like they're going to give up on it mm-hmm. and just just run a separate chain and try to yes. sink it. Yeah. Right. Right. Wow. Because they want to send all, all these like random accounts to themselves. That yeah, that's not the right way to launch the fork. <laughs> I mean, they did it too late. That's the problem, right? Like Chandler Gro came out and said it, like, what, like three months ago? Yeah. And they didn't even, like, get enough momentum. They should, they, come on. This is the slowest moving railroad car you've ever seen. You could have, you could have like, tried to have started, like, a year early. Right, right. And this is the, 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 the same thing BSV did, right? Didn't BSV also basically uh, take did a bunch of Satoshi's? Well, yeah. no, they also they did a bunch of Satoshi's uh, Bitcoins, right? Yeah. 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 Oh, did they? Mm-hmm. Did they not? They did? It's Satoshi's vision. Yeah. It is, but I didn't think they actually usurped the coins. I'm pretty sure they did. Yeah, I believe they reassigned it. They talked about it. I don't know if they did it. Oh, man. You probably know better than we do. I do not. They're they're like your arch enemies for whatever reason. No, no, no. For whatever reason, they love to attack me, but no, no, no. Um, No, I haven't followed closely enough. I didn't think they took the coins, though. I mean, if you're listening right now, (laughs) you know, just tweet directly at Haseeb. That's right. BSV if you're part of the BSV community coins, and you're mad so about shows being, up on his phone these accusations, right just go ahead and flame me into the ground. Um, okay, so whatever. Oh, Eve Powell side sounds like yeah. it's a dumpster fire, but whatever. Yeah, I don't, I don't, it's kind of a little bit embarrassing to all the people who did forks in the past. It's like it's like kind of shows forks are to your blog point like very hard to orchestrate with smart contracts. That's yeah. right. That's right. Well, they're 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 trying. They're trying their best, and so it's whatever. But, but the main show is the merge, right? We should talk about the merge. Yeah. I mean, that's a great thing. So I, here, here's, here's the thing. I'm kind of like, so we were talking to Laura about the show. Laura was like, oh, you should make it about the merge. You guys should talk about the stuff about the merge. Sure. What else is there to talk about? Like, What's there to, yeah. We've all talked about the merge for like years. That was going to happen on Wednesday or whatever. Yeah. And then like the day after Wednesday, you're going to wake up and you're going to be like, oh, the merge happened. Now yeah, what? The what do still I have works. to look forward to yeah. in life now that the merge is done? Uh, all the features that are promised in all these EIPs, 4,000 and up. Yeah, so like, okay, so we gotta wait for like that's, the actual changes that's the in the shit that we happen. want. Right? Exactly. Like, no, I, 48, I 44, all these things like unclear wait, what they're doing. What is 48, time. 44? Explain it to everyone. 40, yeah, so, so there's a couple paths that Ethereum wants to take. So Ethereum, if you didn't tune in since 2019, was basically like, hey, our scaling plan is to go sharding, which is to, you know, have many shards, they synchronize on the beacon chain. They've decided to go the Cosmos slash Celestia route more so than the, the the pure sharding route, and have a data availability layer where basically, you know, there's sort of this way of verifying that someone has the right data without you actually re, you know storing all of that data yourself. It's called like sort of a data availability proof, and so they want to add that to Ethereum so that applications don't need to actually like store as much data or hopefully, um, and so they've. There's a bunch of proposals which, you know, uh, in some ways, are, you could. some have argued that they are block size increases. Some have argued they're not. Uh, I'm not going to wade into that or I'll let the BSV people handle that. But it basically separates blobs, which is data that's written uh, that is not 
computed on necessarily, but in, within the transaction it's submitted, and data that uh, and compute separately. So separating compute and storage, which you know a bunch of blockchains already do. Uh, doing that theorem is a lot more hairy because you need to make it backwards compatible with all the existing storage. Now the upshot of this for rollups is that rollups only have to do compute when they post a fraud proof. Usually, if you know if they're fraud proof, they're working and whatever. Whatever the end state of rollups. <laughs> let's, 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 I'm saying this fantasy world of yours is amazing. T goes, t goes to infinity of rollups, not t, t equals now of rollups. That's what I'm saying. So rollups do post these blobs, right? Because the state has to live on this chain, and and I think like. There's still a lot of debate as to whether Ethereum will be able to implement this in a fast path and like actually get this running, or is this going to be like 1559 where you know like burning the base fee? Ironically, a form of lock-in against forks, as we've learned mm. uh, in some indirect way by being a very complicated piece of code. Right. Um, but yeah, they. Well, are they going to implement this? How are they going to implement it? It's still a big. And, and so I think the post-merge roadmap is a bigger concern. The merge is just a narrative for investors who don't want to really understand how technology works to buy into it because they're like, oh, like Wait, supply what? went. I disagree. That's I disagree. That's I disagree. Oh, all these ESG funds can have buy. Like, like the current version of it, they, none of the features that were promised a long time ago are even close to being. Well, I agree with that. I agree with that. Yes, we're it's not just at- like it's just like we went from this list of five hundred items and we did like two, and it took ten times. Ago. It's very simple: merge and then surge. And merge <laughs> comes before surge. General Robert Petraeus. I, I feel like they I feel like they nailed the messaging. The fact that yeah. you can you get on the show just the merge, the surge, the splurge, the verge, the merge. No, I mean, have you, have you seen good, that, yeah. that, that that crazy flowchart diagram that Vitalik has of this? I mean that there's so many things on that. This is like playing shoots and ladders and you just got to the first ladder. <laughs> Well, there's no, unfortunately, there's no way to fast track. You can only lose progress, apparently, which is which is seems like what we've done. I mean, remember, like the merge was supposed to be done in 2017, right? That was the original Ethereum roadmap. Was that they believe? I mean, that's why the difficulty bomb was put where it was because they believe that within 17? two years. No, I think it was 18, but, okay, not, it was 18. but close. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I like, remember discussing how to shard blockchains back in uh, 15. Yeah. With Vlad and Vitalik, and uh, yeah, no, it's it's been a while. So good. You were there. You were there. You are, you know, the OG among OGs when it comes to seeing the development of smart contracts. Mm-hmm. Give us, like, back in the day, what was what? How did people think about proof of stake back when Ethereum was first getting put together? Tell us. Uh, so tell, tell us the story. The entirety of that thinking was uh, was predicated on matching proof of work. So everything that you see in Ethereum uh, two is is there because. People felt that they had to one-for-one one cover POW and have a mechanism that corresponds to what's happening in POW. So, um, you know, things like slashing, uh, things like, uh, uh, you know, just the, the way the discourse happened, the framework in which people think about these things is, is based entirely on the Bitcoin way of thinking and trying to match Bitcoin's features. So, um, and there was a lot of talk about sharding and uh, you know, it's a good idea in general. If I leave a, a PhD student alone uh, in the first month, they will be like, oh, yeah, to scale something up, you got to shard it. Um, in the early days, the, fo- the focus was entirely on sharding because how else are you going to get any kind of scale up? But uh, if I leave a PhD student alone for a year, <laughs> they'll come back and say, let's not shard. This is hard because it opens up a whole lot of issues, uh, especially on the public blockchain, because now you get people who are picking it. Choosing their shards, you, you get, you know, you, once you shard something K-ways, 
You had one problem, you've got K shards, now you've got K plus one problems, right? The K shards, each and in, in, in every one of them, plus the inter-shard communication problem. Yeah, K squared, really. Yeah, or K yeah. squared, right? Yeah, it's really K squared. It's really K minus one. <laughs> this is a really K factorial, yeah, pretty yeah. easily. So, uh, so yeah, no, it's uh, in the early days, This it seemed like maybe it was solvable and so on, but Tarun uh, just summarized it really well. Like, it starts out with a, with a big vision, and then when the, when the, you know, the push comes to shove, you just jettison everything. And, uh, and so now we're back to... But I think that, that merge is a fantastic thing. I cannot wait for it to happen. Uh, one of the biggest outcomes from it will be the, the fact that we'll no longer talk about the merge. So we'll save a lot of time. We're going to move on to the surge. We've, well, we're going to move on to whatever comes next. It'll become I'm, even slower in the cycle. I'm more excited for all these excess GPUs to just be used for stable diffusion. And which is, that which will, is that like, will definitely be one of the biggest Generally, I was talking changes, to some yeah. friend of mine who works at this like minor in New Jersey. And they've literally turned all their ETH miners into, into ML excess oh, capacity. Cool. Like, is I there feel like a, a, lot, a business model there? Effectively, you're just competing with OpenAI, right? Because like, the question is, will the open source thing? It will be. Will it be good enough, like Linux, where like being the infrastructure provider, like AWS, is good enough that like it will beat the like really optimized. Someone's going to stick a token model on this. I mean, they already have. Yeah, yeah. There, there's like a Wasn't million it, um, people pitching. Golem? Wasn't Golem? processing and rendering. Go- yeah, it was. It was rendering. No, no, no. Yeah. But 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 no one is actually focused on the AI thing of like. Oh, like how g- valuable is this particular graphic to you? And I'm going to upcharge you for that because, like, I think that's, that's true, where that's you're. True. That's where we're. We we haven't seen. Well, that's the innovation of this cycle. Computer. You're talking about non-commodified computers. Yeah, it's just GPU. Stable right. diffusion will run. Well, no, no, no. What I'm saying, what I'm saying is that, like, uh, so normally almost all compute today is commodified, meaning that yeah. the compute is not charged to you differently based on what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And sort of, but like, you still, it's not value-based you still, pricing. No, 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 it's but you still pricing. you still bid in auctions for preemptibles, right? Yeah, but it's still a commodity. Yeah, but it's still treated as a commodity, right? Something that is not commodity price, something that looks at the value you're creating with it and charges you right. based if on the value you create. 1% of your NFT sale based on what it output, that would be non-commodity. Exactly, but that's well, not commodity Well, I just price. more mean that I think there'll be auctions for the, there's like a fixed amount of commodities space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but totally. I, I, what I mean is like currently, if you look at the pricing of like OpenAI API call or, or API call, those uniform across all queries, there's no competition for that, and I actually think that will change. Oh, I see what you're saying. That's the thing that will change now that this is a, sort of like a, this race where like a lot of people are doing these stable diffusion startups. So if you had to estimate the cost of computing one call to like stable yeah. diffusion in like thousandths of a cent, what would you estimate it? I think right now it's free, actually. There's like no, a bunch like of free the, services. Yeah, I agree that it's free right now. It's yeah, free, if we ignore cheap. all the subsidies that yeah, are coming from... But like from, the underlying cost. I, I Probably in the range of like tens of cents. No, tens of cents. You can run this on a laptop. But for quite, quite a, on an M1, not on a like... Really, sure, you're sure. Not running on it's, 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 Let's say it's one cent. Yeah, maybe, maybe a cent, maybe a few cents. If it's one cent, I mean, I'm just waiting for someone to, like, make a movie out of this. Because, like, 60 frames per second, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> I'm yeah, serious. Yeah, 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 yeah. Google, like, yeah, Google's been demonstrating uh, some really interesting... Okay, well, by the way, we're getting, like, way off topic. <laughs> no, this is the good stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Wait, wait, wait. We're, we're coming back to what the token model for this thing is. But the number one thing is that, like, so NVIDIA... NVIDIA has probably been the number one company that's been rocked the most 
buy crypto, right? Because yes. you remember, 2017, their stock price went crazy. Well, you, they, got, they got a fine from the SEC this year by not disclosing that crypto was a material impact. That's right, that's earnings. right, that's right. I feel bad for them, although they've also made a ton of money from crypto. But now it looks like GPUs are finally going back to like regular pricing. Like their supply shortages are going away. Normal gamers can buy GPUs without like 2x markup on secondary markets. So that is one big change. And the other thing that's happened is that all these random proof-of-work coins are starting to pump. So Ravencoin, I read, is up like 100%. Wait, why? Wouldn't it be the inverse? Because when you can mine it so easily? Yeah, exactly. Because if you have GPUs, you can mine this coin. Same with ETH Classic, right? Why did ETH Classic go up? Because if you have GPUs, you can mine ETH Classic. Okay. So who are the buyers? You've just told me the supply is happens. This is what happens, is that people who don't understand that, they see this leaning in, oh, hash rate's going up, Therefore, it's more valuable, so I will buy it. Or either so that, or the miners are engineering pumps. Is the Weblin good? That's your claim? That's that's the the in the short term. In the short term. Bitcoin, I agree. In the short term. In the short term. In the short term, it is. It's, it's not a Weblin good so much as this. It, it creates momentum that causes people to buy, and then the miners dump into that buy pressure, right? Like, this happens all the time. Every time that you see these rotation of hash rate, the price pumps because people are like, oh, finally, this thing is coming to life. Like, Ravencoin, I, look, I don't know anything about Ravencoin. <laughs> But Wasn't that the Overstock.com related one? I don't know. Do you I don't know. The only time I've ever heard the name Ravencoin is from proof of work miners who are rotating. Uh, no, no, no. no. The ra- reason I heard about it is do you remember there was this scandal about this company that was trying to make an ETH? This was bottom of the bear market. Use 2019. Lindsay, L I N Z H I. And they like wrote this blog about making this ASIC that will like dominate ETH mining, and that never happened. Huh. Those people were the that. Ravencoin people. Oh, okay. That's the only reason I've ever heard of Ravencoin. Uh, yeah, were, yeah. I were, only hear about Ravencoin from miners. I've never heard of anyone normal telling me. I it, found but. out about it from 4chan because people were like, "Patrick Byrne is buying it" or whatever. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Or maybe the overstock. overstock. Oh, yeah. that guy. Yeah, yeah. that guy. Yeah. <laughs> He's an angel on, investor in it. I feel like the, the the big nugget here is how often do you read 4chan? <laughs> Great question. Which I, I was an active uh, reader of Biz in like 2017 or so. Really, really. Um, okay. It got really wojacky after that, and I stopped reading it. But back in 2017, I read Biz all the time. Great crypto forum back in the day. Huh. So tell what what is the 4chan perspective on crypto from that you remember? I haven't followed since 2017. Um, but back in the day, there was a lot of great memes about basic attention token and Link. That's what Link did come Link, out of Link was very yeah. strong, unfortunately. Yeah. Also, wait. Does anyone ever think about how Basic Attention Token is a really f***ed up name? Because it, no, kind of, it kind of sounds like uh, the, the, the Stanford Prison Experiment. <laughs> but like as a token. Like basic, you don't have Basic Attention. You need this token to have Basic Attention. Like... Sorry, I just I forgot it was even... That was what it stood for. Yeah, people why, just why, why is the Basic word been, in there? It should have been Brave. But here's my 2017 recollection. I could be like way off base here. The idea was that it would be the standard cost of an advertising unit. Hence, they were trying to value your attention for some That's unit of time. That's very 1984, though. Valuing yes, your I attention. Agree. <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And they were trying to come up with like a canonical, like you know, um, empirical unit for attention for like one advertising impression. Yeah, yeah. This is a very 2017. Like, look, yeah. we're going to take this like broad concept. Yeah. 
and turn it into a token. But in, in retrospective, it does just really sound like you know some like means of controlling your attention token. Yeah, <laughs> that was the idea. That was the idea behind it. I, I knew, I knew Brendan, so I knew the the etymology. It never struck me as that. It didn't. No, okay. it's not, not trying to control you. I mean, if they could, that'd be great. It'd be a great business model. I've been totally brainwashed, of course. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Brandon controls yeah, everything. Exactly. I think clearly, clearly, his basic attention is very expensive. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's already been bought out. Um, yeah. Disclosure: I'm not a holder of Bat. Okay. Okay. Good <laughs> yeah. To know. We, we, rat, bat and Ravencoin. This is how you know you're in the bear market when people bring those names up. Hey, on any of these topics. I'm just so afraid of. Uh, yes, yeah, so you never know when people are going to get upset at you. Yeah, well, that's kind of the theme of the show is that we just say random stuff and then people yeah. get mad at us. Emin hates Ravencoin and Bat. That's what I got from this. It's going to be your next scandal. Your I next was scandal. just breathing a little bit sigh of relief. And that's right. That's bad. right. Well, so actually, well, here's, here's a question for you, Gun. Do you feel like the beefs that you've gotten into with other founders has been good for you or bad for you? Uh, on the net? Absolutely bad. Absolutely horrible. Really? Of course. And, I uh, don't get that impression. Why? I feel like yeah. beefs between I feel like beefs between coins is like actually it makes news. It's like I it's found, like WrestleMania. Right. I found out about you and I respected you all the way back when you were ripping on Bancor in oh, like right. a long way time back ago. in the day. I was <laughs> like, right. who is this Cornell professor ripping on the Bancor ICO? Yeah. yeah, no, it was it on the net? It's it's uh, it's a big negative. You just make enemies for no reason. And uh you know, I feel compelled to say the things I say because, you know, I feel like this is the truth as I know it, and therefore I have to say it. And then it gets me in hot water, and then suddenly there's like some kind of altercation. It's kind of unnecessary. A lot of these people are people I like, you know, but sometimes it's just people I really hate, and they're doing a scam, and then they attack me. So either way, you know, I've gotten used to it. But if I could do it over again, I'd keep a low profile. Um, if I could, well, my personality wouldn't allow this. But if I could redo my life, I'd be a, you know, go with the flow kind of guy. That's not me. <laughs> I do not believe you. I, I can't you're do it. Not selling as well. I would want what, to. Whatever happened to Team Rocket? Team Rocket, they disappeared. They did their best. <laughs> they did their best. Every, every big movement needs a creation story. Every big one. And the biggest gift any group can give you is anonymity. It's like they give you something, take it or leave it all on the service. They don't want credit. They don't want anything else. Here it is. And if we like it, we like it. If we don't, we don't. So Team Rocket disappeared, chose to disappear. Like, uh, what's uh, Kaiser Soze? Right? Just bam, vanish. Fair enough. All right, well, move on to the other story that keeps on giving besides the merge, which is the tornado sanctions. Oh, yeah. So um, I don't know that there's been much specific news except the two, two big items that I saw this week. So first was that Huabi, the big uh, Asian exchange, delisted every major privacy coin. So they delisted Zcash, Monero, uh, Decred, Dash, and the three other ones that I'd never heard of. Wait, but, sorry, Decred counts as a privacy coin in 2022? Sure. I guess. I don't know. They had some privacy features. They had, they had, they had a broken version of, uh, like, a mimble-wimble additively. That's right, that's right. But that's didn't, right. It, like, there were so many bugs mimble in Mimble-wimble doesn't provide. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, is Grint still You shouldn't around? get delisted for that. <laughs> for a future you don't have. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, mean, I guess they still have Litecoin, right? Litecoin incorporated Mimble-wimble, didn't they? Litecoin's too big to fail. <laughs> I guess. The Litecoin Foundation fail. army is big on Twitter now. Is that right? Yeah. I don't know. All, all I know is Charlie Lee is like, I was like, just as, as research, I was trying to like watch, uh, you know, normal TV coverage of crypto because I didn't, I have no clue what people think. Uh, and 
Harley Lee is on like every single one of these like really like news channel episodes lately, being like mm. talking about the Litecoin Foundation. I was like, they have a yeah. foundation that's active. Like, wow, I'm learning so much about you guys. Like, you read 4chan, you watch TV. Like, what's your guilty pleasure? I have no idea. I don't even know. You don't even know. Uh, Dealing with lawyers. Shouldn't lawyers be happy that you're late because they charged you for being late? I'll never get sued. Well, speaking speaking of lawsuits, so the other big news in Tornado Land was that Coinbase is bankrolling a number of lawsuits against Treasury. So basically, are they separate lawsuits or is it is it one? I thought there were several. Yeah, against Treasury right. um, for the OFAC restrictions. I thought it was one lawsuit one with, with six, six plaintiffs. Oh, yeah, six plaintiffs. Oh, I see, I see. Got it, got it, got it. Okay, that's what I was confused. So they're, they're backing a lawsuit against uh, Treasury. There's a number of plaintiffs, each of whom, yeah, each of whom had some kind of sympathetic story. For, so they, they basically did the thing that you're supposed to do, which is find sympathetic plaintiffs who have, like, clean stories, not just, like, you know, some dude who from North Korea is like, hey, why are you taking my money away? Um, it's somebody who's, like, I, I, I'm, one of the stories was a core dev who was getting paid for something, and uh, one of their neighbors was like, "Hey, I heard that you're in Ethereum," and uh, and then he was like, "Huh, I should like use Tornado to like hide the money that I'm making because this person apparently was like tracking something I did on chain, like some NFT purchase or something." There's some some story yes. like this. There, there, also, I think Preston. This is Preston, right? I, I don't recall. Preston, I, I don't think recall. this is him. Uh, he also had this thing where like there was some point Vitalik sent him like. A large amount of ETH to pay for Prism, not for like, and that's what funded one of these client development groups. But I think people inferred that as like he got that, and it like, I oh, think that I also led to some security things for him with like people trying to impersonate him and message send messages to Vitalik to say like send more money. Oh, oh so like he had a lot of good reasons. Like yeah, they were they were just yeah. like people were spoofing his identity a lot. Yeah, right. there are, there's you don't have to have a good reason to want financial privacy, right? Yeah. Let's just well, you do case. need to win a court you need case. to win the to court, win a court, court case. case yeah. You yeah. do yeah. need to have good reasons, but generally speaking, you shouldn't have to have good reasons. But anyway, so yeah, uh, yeah. So it was Preston Van Loon, and um, I mean the overall picture. Uh, so in in the last episode, uh, I came out kind of calling out Coinbase and saying that I thought they were going to roll over. I turned out to be wrong. So, mea culpa, congrats to Coinbase for sticking up. Uh, Agreed. As somebody, somebody said that this is the best PR that Coinbase could have possibly done. And it was like surprisingly cheap for how much credibility it won them. And I, I think it's well-deserved. Um, but somebody else was telling me that they thought actually this was a really bad move by Coinbase. Um, or sorry, I should say not a bad move in terms of Coinbase for PR purposes, but a bad move with respect to getting Treasury to back off. And the way that they put it to me, and I, I, don't, I don't know if I agree with this. I don't, I don't have enough context. I don't know enough about how these kind of things play out. What, what, they, were, what they were claiming to me, this is somebody who spends a lot more time you know, with people on Capitol Hill. I don't know, Robert, you might have a better perspective. Is that Treasury is people too. And when you sue someone, they get mad and they get scared and they dig in and they like, you know, what, really what would have been best from the industry on the whole is to give Treasury a way out and to like help them save face in trying to back off from these things. It's clearly... The reaction that they were got that they got was not what they expected, um, and there are probably a lot of people scrambling trying to figure out like, oh crap! Like everyone seems to be really pissed about this. What do we do? Going straight to a lawsuit makes it very very difficult for them to actually walk it back if that's in fact a possibility. Now maybe it's not. Maybe there are things we don't know about Treasury digging in their feet. Um, but this is like the nuclear option is the way they were described to me. I don't know if that is a good assessment. 
I mean, it's definitely an escalation, right? Yeah. And, you know, I think it's too early to, you know, tell whether it's going to be successful or not. I think there's a lot of merit to the lawsuit that was filed. I think there's a good chance that the arguments come through. You know, I think from what I've heard that, you know, a lot of the folks in Treasury didn't necessarily even understand that there was a difference between Tornado and other mixing services. And they didn't appreciate the difference between a smart contract-based system versus a centralized mixer. And they are radically different and that a lot of people are just caught off guard by the backlash. And, you know, it's, you know, hard to say whether, you know, it's going to make them more willing to concede that they were wrong or less. You know, I would hope that, you know, it would be a wake-up call to say like, wow, if it's creating this much pushback, like we clearly didn't do our homework enough on this. Um, So I'm optimistic that the lawsuit is actually going to help. And I don't think it's going to, cause anyone to dig in their heels. I, I hope that people are able to say like, you know what, there wasn't enough homework done. We thought all mixers were all mixers. It turns out that, you know, we're getting into base layer, you know, and smart contract censorship here and like raising issues that were not anticipated at all. Nobody wants to see North Korea succeed, right? Like, I don't think anyone's advocating for the illegal uses of it. You know, it's just a matter of, wow, more care needs to go into making you know, existential changes to how sanctions work, going from sanctioning people and businesses to sanctioning autonomous programs. So I'll bring in some bit of history here. Um, I'm totally, totally in line with what you said. So do you guys remember the 90s when, like, the Internet was getting to be bigger and bigger and uh, all, these, all these forums, like, including 4chan, were beginning to pop up? And uh, you could go anywhere and you could say anything. Senator blah, blah, blah is a jackass or what have you. And so this really pissed off a lot of people on Capitol Hill. And there was a lot of talk about one concept that I, some of your viewers may not have heard about, but it was called the driver's license for the Internet. There was legislation attempts to, to mandate a driver's license for the Internet. And, and the, the core reason being that old people on Capitol Hill could not handle other people saying whatever the hell they want on, on the Internet. And uh, so this mobilized everybody, the internet, you know, the old, uh, old IETF crowd, the, the Internet Engineering Task Force, everybody there got mobilized to try to educate the lawmakers and say, look, there's an ethos associated with the internet, there's also a technology, these two things don't really allow what you want to have done here, and if you try to do this, you will not achieve your policy aims. It's a parallel to, uh, to the exact situation we have with Tornado Cash and privacy on blockchains. And in that case, the techies won. Right? We have the internet we have today. It's not censored. Uh, when law enforcement wants to do something, they have the hooks that they need. And they, it's a, sort of a co-evolution. Right? They evolved to a point where they got the hooks that they, they needed, and the technology gave them access in just the way that they wanted. But they end up getting those hooks from the edge. Right? They never had to ban uh, what, what you do on a carrier. Like AT&T never has to look at your packets to see. You know, they don't listen to your phone conversations to see if you're doing an illegal convo. They don't look at your data. And, uh, but now with this tornado cash thing, we're going towards a, a, a move where somebody has to look at what you're doing on the blockchain. So, so there, are, there are great parallels there. And in this case, on the blockchain side, there's a, they stepped outside of, of historical precedent and they got the backlash. So uh, we'll see how this plays out. But I do agree that the lawsuit does, does notch everything up a notch. Yeah, it's, a, it's a fascinating analogy. Um, what, what do you feel like you know, from, from your perspective, what do, you, what do you feel like it is that the industry needs to do better in order to get the same kind of, uh, the, the, 
the same kind of community on board with this idea. They're like, hey, the internet, the internet doesn't have this notion of a driver's license and blockchain shouldn't either. Right. So that's a separate conversation. And, and, and I, I, I've been thinking about it a lot. So this is the blockchain community is strictly smaller than the internet crowd, right? And there is a very vocal crowd that is anti-blockchain. And uh, some of them are hardcore techies too. They're like, I've got my stock options. I've got my cushy job at large blue chip company and I hate the blockchain. And they hate it with a passion, right? And, uh, and it's really interesting. You see this, you see this culture clash. And uh, so what does it take to get all these people on board to say, look, we're all fighting for the same thing, financial freedom, breaking down monopolies, an even playing field. And uh, so we need to do a lot better in reaching out. We need to do a lot better at policing ourselves. And um, the maximalism that came with some of the earlier systems do not help us, right? This whole, like, we're going to take down governments. There's only going to be one coin for the entire world, etc. That that extreme libertarian idealism, etc. It doesn't really win you friends. You you really got to admit that there's a bigger world out there that you need to integrate into. I think as a group we need to back down from one of the core narratives in blockchains, which is I will build you a single chain to rule the world. I think people have to admit as an industry we have to admit it's time to admit that there can't be a single chain that suits every need. What you build for the U.S will not satisfy the people in Europe, will not satisfy the people in China, et cetera, et cetera. So and when we were building Avalanche, that's why we went to this different architecture with multiple chains. Avalanche is not a single chain. It's not three chains. It's actually a multitude of chains. So that was, that was part of our vision, um, and it's an underappreciated fact that, uh, that the industry has to grapple with. I guess the other thing about this whole concept of Suing Treasury and making this into a big fight, right? Like, so it's clearly an escalation of what came before. Um, the other thing it brings to mind is that, like, Coinbase seems to be, for whatever reason, right? Like, it feels to me like FTX versus Coinbase. FTX has been super friendly. Um, they obviously they got into this, this uh, spat with the CFTC uh, when they were doing the hearings about having this verticalized. I'm oh, sorry? Oh, that's right. That's right. Oh, yeah, for FTX US and their insurance stuff. Um, but uh, I feel like Sam has been very collaborative with government. And it feels like Coinbase has been like, I mean, Coinbase like went to the mat with the SEC over the Coinbase Earn thing. They are like digging their heels in on a lot of the listed assets on Coinbase saying like, hey, if you think these are securities, come and get it. Like, um, because there was the, when the SEC issued the, what was the one where they listed like seven tokens and they said they were securities? Nine tokens for the insider trading. For the insider trading, that was right. It was the insider trading case where they, where they dropped these things that, statement that nine of these uh, tokens were securities that were traded. Uh, Coinbase said we're not going to delist them. I think the one case. that's not in the U.S. doesn't has it's much easier to. Yes, I, I, think, I think because being in FTX, the U.S. is way. But FTX right. has a big U.S. presence. And they Sam's have a huge America. U.S. presence, but you know it's so arms length. HQ is offshore. You know, yeah. right, right, right. You, you, you don't, you don't have to, you don't have to like fight for survival in the same way. I feel like that's true. You can worst case, okay, what's point. the worst case? You get rid of the U.S. unit, which volume wise. It's a small, yeah, it's a small portion. So of the it's like I, I would argue that uh, it, it's all it reflects that corporate structuring difference. That like Coinbase can't get out of that; they're forever a U.S. Company. Even if they tried to move, yeah, they would just be like a U.S. and trying to get rid of their. Citizenship. All of their team is here. Yeah, they're a yeah. publicly traded corporation, and most of yeah. the revenue is here. Like no, they've picked, cool. you know, their jurisdiction, and you know, personally, you know, I don't think you should have to, you know, look offshore to like. 
be a successful company. Or I fully agree with exchange. that. I fully agree with it. It's such a red flag for me in my book that, uh, you know, a company that's based here, started here, drew its human resources from here, ought to be here. So if, if, if somebody's going off, it's a red flag. If somebody has to go off, you're driving them offshore, that's another red flag. It's red flags all around. But it also, you know, I'm curious about that, uh, how it came to be that Coinbase, with such a large U.S. presence, has less influence on the Hill than FTX. So, uh, is it clear that they do, or is it just that Coinbase is horrible at PR? That's like the thing I've never been able to grapple with. I can't tell. With. I can't tell. I, do, I think it's pretty clear that we're still a very young industry. Like the internet industry, when it first started, even after having lots of money, had no idea how to talk to lawmakers and how to talk to regulators. So... I think there's a learning curve to this stuff. I think the first mover has the worst time at doing that. That's also true. There's there's like, like, there's it's little... like the oldest sibling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Second, second yeah, people, calm, people chill out a little I, bit. because like, yeah, We dealt with Coinbase. We know what it's like. You I'm know? Not, definitely not trying to say like there wasn't some skill or planning in FTX's moves, but they had the huge benefit of watching Coinbase fail so many times. That's true. That's true. But also like the parents chill out a bit after the first day. That's right. Yeah. So I spent a little bit of time talking to, to lawmakers, and um, it's, it's, it's interesting how united uh, the blockchain-interested lawmakers, both in Congress and, and in Senate, they are, like, regardless of which ideology, right? So both uh, Democrats and Republicans, you know, they get it. And um, uh, so I was very pleasantly surprised at the level of sophistication that these people have. I, I think something in Sam's favor is I think his, his parents are lobbyists, so I think that's part of was that the law professor? Ah, okay, okay. Yeah. Lobbyists. I see. <laughs> All right. Well All done. Right. Well that, done. That, 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 that the show's over. We're definitely going to put that in the intro reel from yes. now on. That's a that's a great it's a great line. Wow. I, I mean, okay. One funny fact of a news article I learned of something I learned this week since we're talking about FTX is so. I guess FTX invested in Scaramucci's recent. Scaramucci. Yeah. Oh yeah. But yeah. then Skybridge invested in FTX. And, yes. and, and it's like, there's lots of this type of stuff in crypto, but this was the most publicly, like, funny, like, <laughs> like, like you go to both the websites. And <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, not to be, you know, um, cynical about it, but, you know, if you buy 30% of Skybridge for like $30 million and then direct, you know, $100 million of assets into your own vehicle <laughs> that you're charging 2 and 20 on. And, and fees buying on your exchange. Right. It's... Yeah. You basically come out ahead for free, you know, like yeah. very cynically, I think it was a brilliant investment if it was so self-serving. I just think it's funny to, it's funny, people used to be very careful about hiding all these like recursive loops that hit, live in crypto and this was one of the more blatantly obvious. Yeah, one of the more obscene, <laughs> you know. Yeah, have you guys spent much time with Mooch? No. You, have you? Have you? I, I have not. I know Tom. I know Tom. I know Tom spent some time with him. Okay. Oh, all right. Yeah. I mean, he, I, I don't know how he ended up in this industry. <laughs> like okay. it, seems, it seems very random to me. I don't know what his, uh, I don't really understand what he brings to the table. We're, we're growing. Like the, the space yeah. is growing. Everybody yeah. wants to be in the crypto industry. That, that's true. He's, he has run a successful conference. I'll give him Isn't that. it right now? Yes. Yeah, it's right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. so it's, you know, it, think about it this way. As you go down the level of sophistication of the investor table, you still, you have this huge stack that still hasn't come into the space and you need the, 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 the people who tell the narrative on the way down. Well, the last piece of news, I mean, did you guys see today that there was a rumor that Fidelity was going to start directing retail yeah. capital into crypto? 
Oh, really? I, see this. I, I don't know if it's founded or unfounded, but hmm. I was reading that on the internet today. Nova, Nova was, 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 this, was this on the biz insane. forum? Yeah, this is not on the biz. For the record, I've not been a biz reader in about Okay, five, okay, okay. You just get the digest. Yeah. Fidelity is a strong group. I would not be surprised. Uh, that's good to hear. So the other thing, Tarun, though, that I've seen, it's not so much that the big folks moved in and then the smaller fish are coming in. Um, so I've been seeing large... So, first of all, when I was a professor, uh, all these funds that were coming into crypto would come to us. And they'd be like, hey, we need some academics, some trustworthy individuals who can tell us what we need to pay attention to as we make investments into crypto. So I knew hedge funds were coming six, six months before they were coming in. And in a similar fashion... I started seeing really large but very slow players, uh, starting with Canadian uh, retirement funds, start to go into crypto. Investing in Celsius. You know, oh, make man. Really yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, that really good. When you say Canadian pension funds, I'm like, oh, no. That's, yeah, that's, that's they not a great track record. They do not have the no. best track record. That's true. But there are, there are large funds and sources of money that are coming into the space, even in a bear market. So. I just mean, but those people rely on these, this, like, other layer of fees yeah. industry like Cambridge Associates and people to like direct them yes. onto what to invest and yes. like that's what Mo- that's Scaramucci is he's yeah. like he's the he's the he's and like the Geppetto here. below some other Geppetto <laughs> <laughs> alright that's okay. a good description double Geppetto okay alright so last question before we wrap uh, let's say September 15th the merge goes through it is all successful what do you do the day after the merge Robert what do you do Eat steak. Eat steak. Hopefully, I. Already, Wait, are you vegetarian? Ho- no. no. Oh, Ho- you're not. I was okay. going to say, hopefully, I, I already was just drunk, and so. Oh, I, you're I, drunk. I you're going to be drunk sure through hangover. the merge. Yeah, hangover. Like, sure hangover. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so you're like alcohol. Your blood alcohol levels like going to converge <laughs> with like the difficulty level. Yeah, exactly. And then at that point, it's like, oh man. That's perfect. That's perfect. Good. I was probably partying with Tarun. You know, I want the merge to be done. I want the merge to be done. I'd stuck up. Robert will invite us for steak. We'll both come over hungover and not be able to eat steak and eggs. How about that? That sounds good. I'd stock up on food because after the merge, like these proof-of-stake systems have failure modes that uh, are different from proof-of-work. Proof-of-work is a very robust, very well-understood technology. Once you switch to proof-of-stake, I can tell you firsthand that uh, it is not the world's easiest. And you can have, and Solana people will tell you the same thing, right? You can have loops in there. You can have recursive feedback loops that cause problems for you. So I'd stock up on uh, popcorn. It's going to be interesting. Okay, okay. So... Oh, I thought you were saying stock up on food because the economy goes <laughs> 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 like, Oh, man, we're like, we're like, stock up on food. Full on lockdown if proof of steak doesn't work. Yeah, that's right. No, it'll work. It'll work for yeah, sure. Yeah, you just start, like, all no. the plumbing goes out, like, the lights, <laughs> and the lights, and then it's pretty yeah. soon. It's the world running. doesn't run on Ethereum yet. Yeah, yeah it's nothing. getting there. It's getting, unless in, in, yeah. Except in Dubai. Uh, that's the one, <laughs> the smart city stuff. Yeah, did, did you, do you remember the Simpsons episode on, the, on Y2K? Where like Y two K hits and the 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 street lights are shooting lasers at people. <laughs> We're not quite there yet. <laughs> you know, this week actually, speaking of news, I just learned about the twenty thirty eight problem. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I just what found, is this? I just learned Ooh. about this this week. It's this like, like the like next Y two K. It's the next Y two K. This is actually serious. Yeah, this is really serious. January 9th, I believe, two thousand thirty eight. Yeah. Like all time is calculated. You know, since nineteen seventy. 
and we start to get an overflow hey, on hey, January 9th. 32-bit time people are getting out of The beginning of the Unix epoch was was 1970. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it runs, you overrun the 32-bit counter in 2030. How many people are using 32-bit counters? The elevators will stop. I need a lot of old shit. And they'll drop you. A lot of embedded stuff within that. Okay, all right. So, I mean, I'm not going to survive. You don't want to be in the city. On January 9th, I'll be into the woods. This is why 2K all over again. I got it. I got it. Close your device. It'll be fine. Good. What do you think is the probability the merge fails? Zero percent. No, no, no. You just just telling us. You were just telling us. He's saying maintenance problems. Zero percent. Exactly. Zero percent failure of the merge on whenever Thursday, whenever it is. And I would say 100% expectation, I would say, of a liveness failure in the next six months. That's my That's guess. a good prediction market. Let's yeah, see. I'll, I'll but, but I'm hoping, obviously, <laughs> that, listen, that I don't want this misinterpreted. I want it to, of course, succeed. Yeah. So, uh, but I do know how hard these systems are to build. So let's see mm. how it plays mm. out. And they have had liveness failures on testnet. So. Well, on testnet, yeah, without so any, uh, any financial incentives to play yeah. funny games. Right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Or if anything, maybe an incentive not to play the games if you know a vulnerability, pocket it, and then hit it on mainnet and short, short the coin. I don't think anyone's really that sophisticated, but we'll see. I think the people who are that sophisticated are nice people. I think they tell I think the people who are that sophisticated are going to play like MEV games instead. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. but the real thing, MEV game is like if the POW fork even kind of gets live and there's like... That would be the king of all that's going to be so fun. I mean, I really want someone to just make a bridge. So the yeah. P, like the POW people, their way of like saving face and becoming a layer two is to be like, oh, we here's a bridge that we forked that you can bridge to, and like that bridge will be the ultimate. That, MEV that would be a terrifying piece of infrastructure to run that bridge. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Taros was one node. So. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> like, okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> we see how that worked out. Like clearly, clearly I mean, it it, I don't expect anything less than similar for this fork yeah. based on yeah. their discard. <laughs> Let's yeah. put it that way. Okay. Well, I think we're I think we're at time. Thank you very much, Goon, for coming on and sharing your sharing your wisdom and your, your optimism about everything going on. That's it from us. See you guys in a couple weeks.